0: This podcast is a presentation of Sunset Presbyterian Church. For more information, log on to our website at www.sunsetpres.org. Pentecost! Yeah, I got a woo out there. One, two, two woos. Pentecost! How about let's do that again? Yeah, okay. Okay, Pentecost Sunday. It's a day. It's a day to celebrate. To celebrate the receiving of the Holy Spirit by the, of, of the early church. When they first received the Holy Spirit, the outpouring of God's very presence. And red is the liturgical color. I know we're not very liturgical in this church, but red is the liturgical color of Pentecost Sunday. And it's because it's a symbol of the Holy Spirit. Which is why I invited you to wear red. And can we say thank you, by the way, to those who wore red today? I see it. So before serving here, I I was serving at Union Church of Manila in the Philippines for over 12 years, right before coming here. And our goal at that church was to make Pentecost as important as Christmas Eve and as Easter. And um, I think we came close. Um, If you think about it, Christmas Eve, what are we celebrating Christmas Eve? That God, the maker of heaven and earth, became flesh. He appeared, revealed himself in flesh. And what's happening on Pentecost is that God himself is revealing himself through his presence and outpouring his Holy Spirit. So why not make Pentecost Sunday as as big and as important as Christmas Eve? Will you help me do that? Will you, let's do this together. So in honor of today, I wore—it's not just red, let me tell you—and it's not orange. It's not rajnishi, by the way. So we're not doing any of that. This is a formal um, barong. It's a red barong. And this is the traditional dress in the Philippines. And I, I love it. I love the history behind the barong because if you know anything about the history of the Philippines, for 350 years they were ruled by the Spanish. And the Spanish um, people, they tucked their shirts in, into their belts. And they required the Filipinos to keep their shirts untucked. And and what the Filipinos did is they they turned a bad thing into something very beautiful, and their national dress and that's yes that's and that is that that is the the national dress is untucked and th- you know they are beautiful. This is just a red one, but they are so beautiful. And um, and so um, I wore this on Pentecost Sunday a formal national dress, to celebrate this extremely important and special day. And by the way, two of the members of Union Church of Manila surprised me, and they're here today. Hector and Pee Wee, would you stand? I just want to honor you today. They are from my church in the Philippines, and it is so great. Maga. so great to have you here. I was surprised by that. Okay, I am preaching a sermon, by the way, somewhere along. Okay, we're going to be looking at the the scripture of the filling of the Holy Spirit from Acts. But I want to take a look at the context. So I'm going to look at some some of the scriptures in Acts chapter 1 and verse 2 as we come to celebrate what happened on Pentecost. So, Acts chapter 1, starting in verse 1. In the first book O Theophilus, and he's talking about Luke, the gospel of Luke, i have dealt with all that jesus what's the word isn't that a beautiful word began that all that jesus began to do in other words jesus did all these things on earth and recorded in the gospel but he just began his ministry because after jesus left his ministry continues to this day through his spirit the holy spirit so it was what he began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up, ascended, after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. Now, Jesus presented himself alive to them after his suffering, his death on the cross, by many proofs, appearing to them for during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of god so after his resurrection 40 days he was spending speaking through the spirit and uh, and speaking about the kingdom of god and while staying with them he ordered them not to depart from jerusalem but to what for who the promise to wait to wait so, here he, so he departs after 40 days, and they're to wait for this promise of the Father, which he, Jesus said, you heard from me, for John the ba- baptized with water, but you will be baptized, you will be immersed with the Holy Spirit, the very Spirit of God and of Christ, not many days from now and that's what he promised it's a promise of the father through the prophets and it's a promise that was coming soon he said to them so when they had come together he said you will receive power when the holy spirit has come upon you and that power will enable you to be my witnesses In Jerusalem, in Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So then they returned to Jerusalem after he ascended on the Mount of Olives. And when they had entered Jerusalem, they went up to the upper room where they were staying. And all these, that is Peter and all the apostles and Mary, the mother of Jesus and the brothers of Jesus. All of these with one accord were devoted. They devoted themselves to prayer. That's what they were doing. Waiting for this promise. Waiting. Waiting. Ten days of waiting. Ten days of praying. Praying for the Holy Spirit to come. Come, Holy Spirit. And when the day of Pentecost arrived, you see, Pentecost means 50. It's called Pentecost because it was 50 days after the Passover. It's also called the week, uh, the Festival of Weeks because it's seven weeks after the Passover celebrating the Harvest Festival. So 50 is Pentecost. 50 days after the Passover. They were in that room. They were praying. They were waiting. And suddenly, there came from heaven a, a sound, a sound like a mighty rushing wind. And it filled city, and divided tongues as of fire, then appeared to them and rested on each of them Yeah. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Now what happens right after this filling? On the day of Pentecost, the filling of the Holy Spirit, they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at the sound, the multitude came together, the sound of rushing wind. They came together and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and they were astonished, saying, are not all these Who are speaking Galileans, and how is it that we hear them? They're Galileans, but we are hearing them, each of us, in his own native language. And now I'm going to count the number of nations that were there at the birth of the church. And I want you to count with each nation I, I name. I want you to say one, and the next one, two, out loud. Ready? The Parthians were there, and the Medes, and the Elamites and the residents of Mesopotamia, and Judea, and Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Phrygia, and Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jew and proselytes, Cretans, and Arabians. And we hear them, 15, and we hear them telling In their own tongues, the mighty works of God. They heard them in the mighty works. This church started as an international church. Nations, 15 nations at the birth. They came from the north, they came from the south, the east and the west. They were all there and all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others were mocking, saying, are they filled with new wine? In other words, are they completely drunk? You know, it's just couldn't believe what happened. So Peter gets up and he says, I'm going to explain what happened. This is the promise of the Holy Spirit. This is what was prophesied, promised through the prophet Joel, who said in the last days it shall be declares God that I will pour my life, my spirit on all flesh not just men, but women, all flesh. And I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below. Just like this. Just what you're hearing. People speaking and you're hearing them in their, your native language. And then Peter gives his three-point sermon. Check this out, Barbara, Pastor Barbara. Three-point sermon. You ready for Peter's first sermon? Point one, you deliver Jesus. Point two, you crucify Jesus. Point three, you killed Jesus. How's that for a three-point sermon? There it is. You delivered in. This Jesus delivered up through, according to uh, the... Oh, no, I'm not going to This Jesus, God raised up, and of that we are all witnesses, being therefore exalted by, at the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit. Then Jesus receives the Spirit. He then pours out the Holy Spirit... Uh, that you yourselves are seeing and hearing that's what was happening on that day of pentecost an outpouring of the holy spirit this was new then peter uses the direct approach of evangelism you were, were you here when you heard the different approaches of evangelism and you know peter's the direct approach so here it is you ready repent and be baptized every one of you that's his evangelism approach Repent. Come to Jesus. Put your faith in Jesus. Change your thinking. Turn away from sin. Turn turn your mind and your body and all that you are straight to Jesus Christ. And you will see signs and wonders. Come to him. Be baptized. That's what it means when you give your faith to Jesus. Then baptism is a sign of faith. And be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus, for the forgiveness of sins. And can you read this with me? Or, well, I'll just say it. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You see, when you put your faith in Jesus, you can be assured of the presence of Christ. You can be assured that you have the gift of the Holy Spirit. You put your faith in Jesus. That gift is Yours. That's why we have to sing to become more aware of it. But we already have the gift. And I want to invite any of you today, and maybe the, the same direct approach that Peter used, To I want to invite you to put your faith in Jesus Christ today, even now, even in this moment, and receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day... About 3,000 souls. Can you believe that? And they devoted themselves after this to the apostles teaching and the fellowship and the breaking of the bread and the prayers and awe came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles and all who believed were together and had all things in common and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all who had need and day by day attending to the temple together and breaking bread in their homes. They received the food with gladness, generous hearts, praising God and i love this line i i noticed it having favor with all people isn't that amazing they had favor you know when you're filled with the holy spirit there's an outpouring of the spirit there's a favor that's given and the lord added to their number day by day those who are being saved <clears throat> don't you long to experience that today On Pentecost, the early church was filled with the Holy Spirit. This is as big as Christmas, as big as Easter, the outpouring of the presence of God upon his church. Every single person received this. And there were signs that accompanied the filling of the Holy Spirit. And that's what I want to take a look at with you I want to look at four of the signs of a Spirit-filled church with you. Four signs of a Spirit-filled church. It says that after they experienced the filling of the Spirit, they devoted themselves. That is, they persevered in these activities. They didn't stop doing these four things. The first sign of being filled with the Spirit was a devotion to the apostles' teaching. That's what they did, and that's our call too. They devoted themselves. Imagine being there. You know, Peter was there, and John, and they were right there teaching them about the commands of Christ. And we are so blessed today because we can devote ourselves to that very same teaching through the New Testament Bible. That is the teaching of the apostles, the New Testament and there are so many wonderful ways that we get to engage in this teaching that makes life exciting and, and, and a celebration. Coming to worship, learning through the teaching here, going to Bible studies, reading the Bible throughout the year. It's so special. You know, I um, visited some, a friend in prison, and before I visited him, I was in correspondence. We were writing letters. And I, uh, I said, look, this is your opportunity. This, this is your opportunity. R- read. Read the scriptures. Read the gospels. This is your chance. Read it. And I reminded him that, the ho- that he's not alone. He, the, Why can I say that? Why can I say that? The Holy Spirit is with him. He is not alone. And the profound gift of believing in Christ is that you never, ever need to be alone for the rest of your life. God's presence is with you no matter what, no matter where. And, and so when I saw him face to face, he was glowing, talking to me about his in, in, encounter in, in the cell the Holy Spirit and I was thinking to myself you know a lot of people think that you need to be a professional to study the Bible or you need a good Bible study and that is simply not true you just have to answer the questions who what why when where and how just ask those questions as you're reading it and what I said to him is you're, I said who's who's his teacher alone in the cell it's the Holy Spirit he gets to learn from the Holy Spirit and just engage the text to be in the Word. What a blessing that is. That's a sign of being filled with the Holy Spirit. A sign of it is our, our devotion and our practice of being in the Scriptures. The second sign of being fi- a Spirit-filled church is they devoted themselves to fellowship? You've heard the word "koinonia." It just means to, to the act of sharing, to doing things together, uh, like, like this. This is koinonia right here. We're sharing in this moment. Uh, not every church in Portland had tongues of fire fall on them today. You know, <laughs> this is unique. This is unique to sunset right now. We're sharing this in common. There, are so we're, we're going to share the. Car show. We get to share bagels next week. These are things that we get to share in common. Becoming a member, Brendan, and to becoming a member of this church and to make that reality concrete that we're a family of God is a wonderful way. It's a sign of, of of your life in the Spirit. The third sign of being a spirit-filled church is that they devoted themselves to the breaking of bread. Now, there's debate about what this phrase means. Some people think it means communion. Some people think it means sharing a meal. I believe it means sharing a meal. Uh, the expression breaking bread" of bread was a common expression, and it was used by the Jew- Jews to revert, refer to sharing a meal of fellowship together. And what they would do is they would take the bread before the meal, they'd break it, and they would pronounce a blessing. Blessed are, are you, O Lord our God, King of the universe, uh, for, who brings forth bread from the earth. And that, that, in many ways, is when we say grace before a meal, that was their way of saying grace over the whole meal. It was a blessing. In other words, they turned the meal into, into koinonia, into fellowship, into worship, into a way to, to, to remember Jesus, that Jesus was right in their midst. They ate together. They ate meals together. And I can say, having lived in the Philippines for almost 13 years, we would eat a meal at almost every single meeting. Am I right? I mean, every meeting there was a meal. That's so special about the Filipinos. They get this koinonia, this breaking of the bread, and it bonds you and brings you closer together. You know, Just this, this week I was invited to Korean uh, food and it was so wonderful to just get time to fellowship and um, the food was prepared by my host right on that table and we just had a wonderful time eating more Korean food than I can ever imagine eating in my life and sharing our lives together. That, that's a sign of the goodness Of the Holy Spirit's life for us. Now, the fourth sign of a spirit filled church is their devotion to the prayers. Reading the book of Acts is one of the most exciting things you can do. Because when you read through this book, what you see is that before any sign or any wonder, they were praying. They were praying. Think about it. Jesus was praying before he was transfigured. Jesus was praying at his baptism. Before any major sign, there was prayer. Any major movement of the Holy Spirit begins in prayer. If you ever read through the revivals throughout history, as my brother William has uh, shares with me, you'll, you'll see one common factor in all the revivals of the Holy Spirit prayer. They would start with two, three people praying, humbly praying day in, day out. And that's why I like to call this church a house of prayer for all nations. That we would pray. Because prayer is a sign of the life of the Holy Spirit. So those are the four signs of being a spirit-filled church. Devotion to the to, to the scriptures, fellowship with one another, the breaking of bread, sharing meals, and prayer. Now, how do we apply this? One way to apply these signs in our lives is by getting involved in fellowship, especially in small groups. Ra rah, Lynn, you ready for this? Sometimes people ask me, well, what do you do in small groups? What, what do you do in a small group? Most small groups model their time together after Acts chapter 2, verse 42. I call it the A242 model of small groups, the A242. In other words, what we do in a small group is we fellowship, we eat food, we study the Bible, and we pray. Those four things from Acts 2, it's the sign of being filled with the Holy Spirit to fellowship. And they can look in many different ways. I know of a family who comes to worship, they get the teaching, then they go out and eat the food and they fellowship with one another and they pray with one another or small groups who do that or meeting in in one another's homes and break bread and eat together. You can get connected into a small group here at this church just by going out to the next step, Steps counter in the lobby, it is a great way to live out the signs of a spirit-filled church. So let me conclude this way. I want to I close by sharing uh, a story, my story, of remembering the Holy Spirit every time I breathed for one day. So let me tell you a story. So I went to a, a month-long counseling experience called intensive therapy. I was alone in a cabin. Uh, I could not use the phone unless it was an emergency. Uh, no computers, no internet, no books, no entertainment. Just me, seemingly alone and I would meet with this counselor slash spiritual director at 5 a.m. every morning, and I'm not a morning person, so that was pretty amazing. We'd work through some things. And near the end of that month that I was alone in the cabin, um, he asked me, he invited me to something that changed my life. So here's what he said. Steve, today I want you to remember the Holy Spirit Every time you breathe. Whew. Yeah, I breathe a lot in a day. I don't know about you, but I breathe a lot. And, and that was the request. That was, I don't want you to do anything else. I just want you, every single time you breathe today, remember the Holy Spirit. And I did that all day. I just every time I now did I remember the Holy Spirit every single time probably not, but I remembered as much as I possibly. I breathed in. If you remember, Jesus breathed on His Holy Spirit. That's how I mean, on His apostles. That's how they received the Holy Spirit. His twelve apostles. This breathing is a is a wonderful sign, and to this day, and, and it was one of the best days of my life it was a day that changed my life because to this day i will catch myself go figure breathing amazing and remembering the holy spirit i don't do it every morning but i try every morning to breathe three prayers. it's called the three breath breathing prayer and i breathe in God himself, God the Father, the maker of heaven and earth says, Behold, my dwelling will be with you, Steve, with you, church. Remember that God's dwelling is with us. And then I breathe in again and remember that Jesus said, We will make our home in you. Jesus, the Spirit of Jesus is with us. And then, best news of all, the Holy Spirit is, I breathe in, the Holy Spirit is with me, but not just with me, in me, in me. Mm. breathing, try it. Try it for one minute. Try it, breathe, and remember the Holy Spirit for one minute. Or maybe try it for one hour, just one hour. Every time you breathe, remember the Holy Spirit. You might even want to try it for a whole day. It'll change your life. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this gift, this wonderful gift of you, your presence with us. Lord, we welcome this gift and receive it. Fill us anew. Refresh us with your Holy Spirit. And all God's people said,